Hello and welcome to Solarpunk Presence, the companion podcast to Solarpunk Futures. Hosted by Solarpunk Magazine nonfiction editors extraordinaire Ariel Kroon and Christina Della Rocha. Ariel and I will be using this companion podcast to Solarpunk Futures to explore Solarpunk goings on in the world today. We'll be interviewing all sorts of interesting people who are doing work in the here and now that will help us get to a Solarpunk future. And we'll be talking to each other about the visions of a sustainable, equitable future integral to Solarpunk and about issues we're curious about within the movement or genre or whatever it is you want to call Solarpunk. But one last thing before we jump into episode two. For those of you, especially if you're outside of the United States, who are unfamiliar with the term BIPOC, it's an acronym that stands for Black and Indigenous People of Color. Okay, and now here's episode two. Uh, hello, listeners, and welcome to Solarbunk Presence. I'm very excited for today's episode where we're talking to John Okeolu from the Decolonizing Wealth Project. John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm really curious to hear more about it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk and share and 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 just, you know, bounce bounce ideas back and forth. First, though, Jono, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Could you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about how you got involved with the Decolonizing Wealth Project in the first place? Happily, and also give some context on Decolonizing Wealth Project when I get to that stage of my intro. Um, but yeah, to, to start... Um, in, in essence, I'm a youngin from Oak Cliff, Dallas, Texas, um, by way of Nigeria. My dad's an immigrant from a small village in Nigeria called Aishan, um, this Aishan people. And then my mother was actually born and raised in the same community I was in Oak Cliff. Um, and her people are descendants of enslaved Africans, um, mostly from what I know, my family uh, on her side originated um, on this continent when we got here in Arkansas. So um, I'll have a lot of roots in that part of the country. Um, but I'm currently stretching my roots out in Oakland, California, on unceded Muakma Lalone lands. Um, we're just working within community to reconnect with land and cultural traditions. Um, and also recently graduated from Stanford University in the Bay. That's kind of how I got here. Um, Congratulations. Under- <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, still, still coming down off that whole you know, like high moment in my life. Um, but yeah, I got two degrees, one in African, African-American studies, one in human biology. Um, sort of my concentration was focused on marginalized community health and holistic health and thinking about the different ways systems kind of get become embodied um, and, and, so, and different oppressive systems become embodied. Um, and also did a lot of work with ancestry and intersectionality in the arts. So it's like, it was a very, it was wow. very, I, I do a lot to try to kind of combine the sciences and the arts and the aesthetics and try to understand how they all impact how we thrive as humans. And so that was really a, lot, a big part of my study. Um, and then how, to, how I got to philanthropy. Well, originally I had an opportunity to work with the Emerson Collective, which was my first experience on the inside of philanthropy, philanthropy being this, this massive black box to me before that point um like very very little i had very little understanding going in of like what who made these decisions in this in this industry that's uh, a trillion dollar industry trillions of dollars are are sitting within this this sector of our society um but didn't have yeah like it's just like who knows kind of like what it what goes on um on the back end so i got that first experience and i learned just like how these decisions are made and just like how 
how much it matters to be in those rooms, like especially for communities that traditionally don't have access to this wealth, don't have access mm -hmm. to this privilege and power that's that's kind of amalgamated within the sector. Um, I wanted to take a second opportunity and take a second swing at taking on the the again the black box of philanthropy from a more um, a more engaged perspective, a more community connected perspective. And that's kind of what the Decolonizing Wealth Project has been for me in a lot of ways. Um, I got a fellowship from Stanford to spend a year in philanthropy kind of on my own terms, like picking an organization of my choosing and finding out um, nice. and just and just like setting up my own learning plan and figuring out my own goals. Um, and so I took it to the Decolonizing Wealth Project, actually learned about the project through watching a video of Edgar Villanueva, who's our principal and founder. Um, he's from the Lumbee tribe and he wrote this book called Decolonizing Wealth, um, Indigenous Wisdom to Heal Divides and Restore Balance. Uh, and this book has since become a movement. Uh, Edgar's like gone on to give many, many talks and many, many workshops teaching about this new framework in philanthropy called reparative philanthropy that he's um, kind of been a, a huge advocate for. Um, and and so I've, I saw a video of him giving a speech on this. I was like, wow, that's really powerful. There are people within the sector um, changing the game and doing the work to really leverage resources for the sake of, of marginalized communities. And so um, upon getting the fellowship and upon getting um, yeah, getting into the process of finding a philanthropy workshop that I could work in. It turns out that the organizers of the fellowship were already, already connected to Edgar, and he had already reached out and asked that if he could connect to some of the fellows. And so I jumped at the chance. I was like, wow, you are actually my inspiration for applying for this fellowship and taking another swing at philanthropy. Um, and it turns out that he had started a whole project called Through Causing Wealth and Liberated Capital, and that there was a funding arm. So I was like, Oh yes, uh, would you, by chance, take on a fellow? Um, and and uh, we we aligned on that, and 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 since then has been a really beautiful um, time, sort of working within many sectors in our society, try, like building campaigns yeah. to yeah push back against some of the the again the the issues that we we see in the world today, um, but specifically focusing on campaigns around reparations in America, around climate change action, around food and land justice, around youth empowerment. Um, and it's it's really been a gift to bring my passions and perspectives to this work, um, and I'm very excited to continue to see where it goes. I'm 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 staying on for a whole another year as a program associate, continuing to build my roots here. Thank you, thank you again. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm blessed and honored to be here, and happy to talk more about it. That's awesome. Thank you so much. That was so thorough. I mean, I was <laughs> about to ask you, actually, my next question was, so what is the Decolonizing yeah. Project and where did it come from and what are its goals? But I think you've like gone over a bit of that already. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And I feel like I have a much better idea of what the Decolonizing Wealth Project is um, and uh, its work uh, mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, and I wanted to sort of pick up on, on how the Decolonizing Wealth Project is sort of positioning itself within the field of philanthropy. Yes. Um, the, I checked out the website and the Decolonizing Wealth Project website talks a lot about the narrative change and importance of transformation of the story around mm -hmm. philanthropy and reparations, especially. And I was wondering if you could give us a little bit more insight on that and expand on that a little bit more. Absolutely, absolutely. I do a lot of work within our narrative change work. It's sort of one of our um, three three verticals, you could call it. Um, that we do narrative change, um, we do healing programs, um, and we again we do this redistributive uh, grant making. That's that's our reparative giving aspect. Um, but within our narrative change, I think it's important. It, it's kind of the 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 
the basis and the foundation for our project is 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 looking at the foundations of the stories we tell in the world the 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 narratives the, the, the cultural dynamics that we live and exist in the systems that we live and exist in looking at the history and understanding um that if we don't start on the same foundation and don't start on the same basis we can't really get anywhere when we're talking about trying to heal from some of those um past traumas and, and past and and um prevailing traumas in a lot of ways um so the edgar really started with the idea of looking at the history of colonialism and how that mm. colonialism and white supremacy kind of um, very much so um, are the foundation of our philanthropic industry. The reason why the wealth is amalgamated in the way that it is, is because uh, generations ago, people decided that this was how they, they wanted to relate to, to people and relate to wealth. And so um, not only not only is our organization about telling that story and really, really trying to make sure that that is understood, but also telling the story of how um, through through different um, modalities, for example, um, Edgar really talks about the, the his, his tribal perspective and the, the wisdom that comes from that around reciprocity and trying to like um, relate to money as medicine. Money as medicine is a big uh, framework that Edgar Edgar um, has been an advocate for, um, and sort of sh shifting the way we relate to, to to literal wealth. Like, what if we could use wealth to 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 build relationship and to heal each other and to mm -hmm. heal ourselves at the same time, instead of thinking about it as like um, um, a mechanism for power exchange or a mechanism for exploitation and extraction. So um, using these frameworks, we're telling them, we're trying to tell new stories about how we can relate to each other in society and how our communities can find more sovereignty and find more um, more ways to thrive. And so um, we through engaging with media organizations, engaging with artists and, and 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 doing sort of like social media storytelling and like a lot of a lot of communications work. It's a lot of communications work to really um yeah again like tell these stories, both tell the tell the past in the in the truthful way and then uh tell tell about futures and in more and more expansive and more community grounded ways. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That sounds amazing. It's, it's <laughs> and, good work. And it's really sort of putting the focus back on money as a tool to achieve yeah. these sustainable goals mm -hmm. instead of just money in and of itself, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Not money for money's sake, but money for something, something bigger, something brighter. That sounds, I mean, that just sounds so wonderful <laughs> i want that to be our world <laughs> we do too we do too we're trying yeah um and i was going to ask you why is it um important within this context for the decolonizing wealth project to be indigenous and black led within these oh, communities absolutely that's a that's a really good question um and i think i think especially contextually given that we're we're really expanding our horizons to, to bring this conversation to a global stage it's really important to understand the perspectives we come from as an organization we don't represent the whole entire world but we hope to be a part of a global community working to to to, to focus on sustainability and community sovereignty um, across different borders so um, I'd say that the perspectives and backgrounds amongst our team reflect our the vision that we have for the world, our vision mm -hmm. for solidarity, especially among Black and Indigenous folks, the Black Liberation Movement and movements for tribal sovereignty. So, at the end of the day, um, we always we always say it like this: the communities that are most affected and, and harmed by the generations of colonialism and racial capitalism are the experts in their own regard for how healing and their liberation can occur. And so, given that, given that. 
it, it's it's the goal it's our goal to make sure that these platforms and these tables and these decision make these these decisions are made by folks who come from the communities that the, the hopefully the the change is meant to is meant to take part in um and, and and of course something that we notice in philanthropy is that that's not necessarily commonplace the, the decision making mm -hmm. tables the grant making rooms aren't necessarily reflective of communities that they're meant to serve and so we're trying to really um bring about that change and, and help encourage different organizations across the board within philanthropy to make sure that these rooms are more reflective and that um through community advisory committees and and, and community-based participatory grant making um, more communities are able to make these decisions for themselves around how this wealth enters their communities or um and, and transforms and changes their community yeah that totally makes sense uh sort of empowerment that's amazing and absolutely something that's so necessary i think um to these these sorts of endeavors. Um, and, you know, I think I have a pretty good idea at this point, but I do want to hear it from you mm -hmm. as to how do you think the decolonizing mm -hmm. wealth project specifically is solar punk? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I guess I'll start with our vision. So I'm just going to read it. Um, okay. Because that's, that's definitely, that's definitely, I think, where, where <laughs> I see the solar punk start to, to, to weave itself into the fabric. Um, so we say we envision a world where racial equity has become a societal norm and new mm -hmm. systems and ways of being ensure that everyone can live in their best lives, thrive in their cultures, and bring about healing from generations of colonial trauma. And so to me, that that talks about us as the Economizing Wealth Project, bringing a, trying to build a brighter future and more reflective world. Um, and we think really, really creatively about our pathways to get towards that future. Um, and, and specifically, again, we're, we're leveraging narrative, we're leveraging resources, we're leveraging traditional knowledge and wisdom to, to bring about um, that, that future. And so those are, those are sort of our, our modalities. Um, but to talk about a, a few ways that our, fund, our, our work engages in the present to try to build up out that solar punk future, right? Mm -hmm. We have our Indigenous Earth Fund, which is a, which is a fund um, led and stewarded by Indigenous folks um, in, in specifically within the context of the so-called United States of America, um, trying to um, build support and resource around Indigenous-led climate efforts. Um, so we, we fund organizations that are working to, for example, fight against the, um, or, or like build back a better sustainable system around salmon fishing in the, in California and in, in, in the West Coast. Um, we have we, we have organizations within our um, grantee partners who are working to use solar and wind on, re, on reservation territories to try to to make those uh, to make their uh, energy uses and sources more green. And so um, a lot of a lot of the ways that we engage with this work is again, we're looking at we're we're, we're trying to build our, do our best to find and build a relationship with the innovators, specifically again from the these community the indigenous communities um, who are working to build more sustainable um, communities and 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 doing and again these are scientists these are environmental policy advocates um like our our advisory committee is really really reflective of the the need for like 
um, multiple sectors of our society engaging in the same way, that mm. sort of an interdisciplinary approach to thinking about um, sustainability, because yeah, you, you need the policy, you also need the traditional wisdom, you also need, again, the like the scientists and the academics. And so it's, um, I think, I think our Indigenous Earth Fund, for example, is a really beautiful portrayal of the ways that coalition, like we can coalesce our different expertise together to sort of build up, bring about these futures. Um, and I'd also highlight our Food and Land Justice Fund and that that space in general. Um, we're, we're in community with uh, food justice organizers and local farmers and community farms working to transform our food systems within the United States and the way we mm -hmm. use our land and trying to bring about a more reciprocal, mm -hmm. more healing and more resilient food system within the United States. And so um, I think that, that that fund as well, that fund is um, a lot more reflective of the Black American experience, um, like like communities that are traditionally um, descended from enslaved Africans and and have lost that relationship to land, but right. maintained that sort of underlying tradition and that underlying knowledge around how to engage with the land, coming back to it um, in, in in sort of yeah the narrative arc of that. And so I can talk a lot more about that fund, but um, yeah, our futures are definitely like trying to build that um, that, that solar punk. Uh, idea around resilience and around um, like reflective communities and, and like like we're all, all of our cultures can thrive and, and we're really being critical about the ways that our society looks today and hoping to push back against those colonial practices that have brought about conditions where it's really hard to imagine those futures. Um, and again, of course, we tell that we, we we do our best to tell those narratives. And so our narrative, I think, I think like a lot of the ways that we communicate um, are the part, the stories of our grantee partners, um, helping people, helping give people time, space, resources to envision those futures, um, especially especially those again who are often left out of common narratives when we look at Hollywood and For things sure. like that. Um, that's a big part of the work too. And so that's I think I think we 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 approach it from a multiple angles, and we don't don't necessarily like again identify on our website or anything like that. I guess solar punk, but if you really look at a lot of the ways that our programs engage in the world, I, I can definitely see the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I it's it's very very like solar punk adjacent, um, mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. the very least. I think uh, you're sort of laying the groundwork for the solar punk futures that we all want to see. Right, right, and making sure more resources are available for some of these solar punk projects to to really thrive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now I'm I'm joining you from Canada today, or so-called mm -hmm. Canada, and I was wondering if I wanted to get involved in something like the Decolonizing Wealth Project, but I don't live in the United States of America. Um, and I was going to ask you if the DWP is America only, or is it doing work like, um, is it doing work in other countries? And um, do you know if there are other projects like it around the world? You talked a little bit about travel travel equity, I think. Um, mm. And I'm just sort of curious as to what's going on with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So we do have a whole, um, a member of our team, Vanessa Thomas, who um, leads our global programs. We are, we are sort of a, a global organization and it, it, it matters because colonialism is a globe was a global and is a global system oh yeah um and the biggest the biggest empire that ever existed was the uk um at one point i think three-fifths of the world they they say was um under colonial rule of the, of, the, of the united kingdom whoa omniscient producer christina here breaking in to say that john asked us to correct this it was not three-fifths, but one-third of the world that was under British colonial rule, which is still an amazing number of people. 
And now back to the conversation. Um, and so, and so our, Vanessa Thomas is actually from London. And so she, she does a lot of work and she's helping us to really broaden our horizons and how we have this conversation, right? Edgar, Edgar um, coming from this, this side of the world um, had, had this perspective around philanthropy and, and its colonial roots, um, but was really, really tapped into a global community through engagement with, with other organizers and facilitators that, that come from different perspectives, come from outside the United, the so-called United States um, and tapped into the, the, the understanding of the, yeah, the, the, just like we said, the global dynamics of this work, the global dynamics of the colonial story and, and the different ways that we can, as communities across the world, build, build solidarity to try to break down some of these harmful systems. And so um, what we have done so far to, to sort of engage in that way is we've had, we have and are continuing to build out workshops, especially specifically our decolonizing wealth workshop um, in a, in the UK, so we're working with um, leaders, leaders in um, in that space to really think about how to um, tailor and translate some of these narratives to to expand its horizon and 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 resonate with broader community across the world. Um, I think I think this narrative could is is important to think about in the United in so-called United States, but also the Caribbean, also South America, and also the African continent. Like again, again, looking at looking at the different pieces of the empire and how they have engaged with this system um and so we're also we're also just working to build out collectives um mm -hmm. of people who can think and and, and can, can be thought leaders and, and and provoke more conversation around um again this 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 framework around reparative giving again looking at and in reparation looking at the roots of of, of our wealth in, 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 in broadly globally and looking at the ways that we relate especially in the field of global aid where mm -hmm. again like I think so much like there's there's a lot there when we talk about global aid around around who who's making decisions in that space and like what are they for um we can think about like um we can think about philanthropic capitalism and, and sort of using leveraging philanthropy to sort of to to perpetuate a lot of the harm in our society right um, where th this this is this, again this is a, this is a, an immensely like interconnected conversation um and so we're, we're definitely doing work to try to build out um just like solidarity movements just build out community and coalition to, to like have these conversations and to really weave weave this inner this web of support for um change within this space and i'd say um lastly we are we are hoping to like talk about our global programs more on our website so um for for folks that are that want to tap in further who are not even who are might might not be from the united states um you can definitely check us out on social media and engage because it's it it matters so much that um we're not just having this conversation in a silo but that it's 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 we're growing and expanding and learning along the way with with anybody who again feels resonant and feels connected to this to this narrative um, so, so you can follow us on social media. You can check out our website. We're going to build out a, again a global programs um, homepage that can hopefully be a, a place where we can like lay that strategy out in, in clear in a clear picture. Um, and and hope and as we as we continue to build and, and learn more, I'm sure there will be a lot more opportunities to engage in that way. Yeah. Wow, I'm looking forward to checking that out. That sounds mm -hmm. so uh, uh, like invigorating and exciting. Um, I'm. Yeah, I'm gonna to go to the website and check that out and follow sure. you guys on social media. <laughs> For sure, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely takes all of us. It definitely takes all of us to make this happen. So, yeah, um, totally, yeah, totally. Everyone's and, invited. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up the term philanthropic capitalism because mm. I was wondering um, 
how the decolonizing wealth project interacts with capitalist hegemony, mm -hmm. um, especially, well, specifically in the so-called United States, um, but also in industrialized nations more broadly. And I have my own thoughts on this, but I, I would like to hear yours. I'm not really an expert in economics at all. Mm -hmm. I know some of our listeners are very attuned to the benefits and drawbacks of various economic systems. And this is something that folks at your organization probably think about quite a lot. Um, yeah. And so I'm wondering, is the Decolonizing Wealth Project sort of working just within capitalism or looking to introduce a whole new economic model or augmenting mm. what already exists? Uh, I'm curious as to your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can definitely share sort of like from an organizational perspective, how we engage with the hegemony um, yeah, that do. we see that we see as very much so like a disruption of the balance that that exist that's supposed to exist on earth um are definitely our ethos is rooted in the concept that colonialism has disrupted that balance and that's 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 our definitely bread and butter focus is 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 disrupting colonialism as a structure that has that we believe has harmed us all um colonialism white supremacy and these systems and structures that follow remain with us and they um the, the impacts of the, the exploitation and again the ways the ways that power has been differentially allocated across our, our society um power being wealth and resource um power being ability to ability to create the world around us ability to 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 farm access to land these these things have been amalgamated in a in a very um inequitable way and that's that's where we're trying to intervene we look at the racial wealth gap as a, as a metric for how far we have to go to really to really make sure that again this this equity is is realized and this balance is restored um and so we operate through um again the framework the seven steps to healing as defined by our founder edgar um which leaves a lot of room for reflection apology and action more specifically um as a way as a way to to bring about that healing and bring about that change and so um that includes that includes the idea of reparations which is again working within this framework of capitalism working within the society we have how do we leverage the resources that currently exist and to to bring about that healing and bring about that change and bring and bring that power back to communities whose backs this country was built upon so we look at reparations we look at land back these are this is very much so existing within the framework that we we live in um we're bringing we're bringing people to the table who pretty very much so operate within capitalist logics um where we bring 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 uh founders to the table entrepreneurs to the table we look at your wealth and we and we, we try to help um facilitate that process of return that facilitate facilitate that process of reparation facilitate that process of healing um and so we we definitely we definitely operate within that bridge connecting um role in the in this mm -hmm. in this way we, we we philanthropy is very much a part of this economic system and so we look at what the the tools that we have within this are and within within our proximity to be able to to um bring about this return right um and so and we also leave a lot of space for community to decide for themselves again on what what liberation means for them and so i think that just like just like the tradition of solar punk where we have to lay out so many different avenues to our futures and, and sort of over time kind of align them to get to the same 
point. Um, that's that's what we believe in as as well. We don't uh, we try our best not to define liberation for others, and we try not we do our best not to define um, like what's the best economic system, for example, um, that will that will help us get there the fastest. I think that's that mm -hmm. that can be left up to the researchers and the academics and everyone else who has that perspective. And again, um, most importantly, to the communities who who are existing within within the systems that they want to change. And so, um, yeah, I think that's the position we hold and we, we hold it with with all the nuance and with all the um, with with all the the, the sort of narrative. Um, yeah, nuance that that exists within it. And we, we yeah, it's it's very much so um, a challenging position to hold. And it's a very much so mm -hmm. um, I think what 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 we're best equipped to take on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, doing what you can within the system that exists, uh, uh, working toward, always looking towards a better tomorrow is very mm -hmm. solar punk, I think. Yeah, um, I think so too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering, actually, where do you see the decolonizing wealth, pro sorry, where do you yeah. see the decolonizing wealth project uh, being and what do you see it doing sort of in, in the next few years, like what's coming down the pipe? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I definitely highlight again our global programs, our work to decolonize global aid. Um, that that work is 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 very much so flowering. It's it's we we planted the seeds. We're starting to build relationships with people um, from from various perspectives and various. Um, I, aspects of the world. We have we have a team that's very reflective of a global the global um, dynamic of this work. And so we're, we're trying our best to sort of build up roots in different places and hopefully start doing more workshops and more programs um, in, in different countries and really, really, really trying to connect that network. Um, so that's that's definitely on the horizon is just just more engagement um, broadly and globally. And, and I think that 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 does so well to help our language coalesce and become more powerful and more um, accessible from for, for for folks from different perspectives, um, and I'm I'm really excited to see where that goes. Uh, we're also continuing our core work to resource Black and Indigenous and other communities of color um, as as they build their sovereign, sustainable futures and communities. Um, and so that that means that means working to enter more funders' rooms to 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 coalesce more resource um, to to build to build more bridges. I'd I'd, I'd highlight our a donor community, which is the, our liberated capital um, community. It's it's a community of folks um, from across the sort of spectrum of class who are donating funds and sort of joining this giving circle community is, is mm -hmm. how we how we frame it. Um, it's it's the idea that that you can you, you you sit in a circle basically you know like metaphorically you're sitting in a circle with with folks um in in, in sharing a shared vision for mm -hmm. for how you want to see the world and putting your resources behind it and so we have a we have a donor community that's around 400 now and it's ever expanding um and and that's a large way that we um, resource the funds that that I've been talking about: our Food and Land Justice Fund, our Indigenous Earth Fund, our Case for Reparations Fund. Um, I think I think deepening deepening our initiatives within that in those ways to support reparations, climate, and food and land justice efforts is is always is always something that's on our mind and heart. Um, and so we're yeah we're just looking for more people to resource those that that work more more people to engage in 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 um, making making sure that these that these uh, 
grants can be uh, long term that these that these organizations can be more sustainable again so this so the, so we're trying to build a tradition we're trying to work within within this movement to build a tradition of resourcing and supporting um, black indigenous and other communities of color um, mm -hmm. and we're definitely engaging further in content creation like we said our narrative our narrative arm is is ever expanding and we're 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 recruiting actively to 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 have have a, a bigger team that can support engaging with new technologies and new platforms to share our message uh me one of me and one of my colleagues talk all the time about the metaverse and vr and how these this these technologies can be used to share these narratives um there's there's indigenous futurists and afrofuturists um creators out there that we really like hope to engage with in the future to offer spaces for healing offer spaces for for storytelling around the around our heritages our traditions and 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 again like telling these telling these futures from the perspectives that are often left out of the conversation and so we're definitely definitely building definitely building forward in that tradition in that way um sure. yeah 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 uh, imaginative expansion and uh, capacity expansion and sustainability in more than just one uh, one definition of the term. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's, now, sorry. Oh no, I <laughs> go ahead. No, yeah, I was gonna say sustainable. Like, yeah, um, sustainability within the nonprofit or non the non governmental organization. Um, sector is is such an important aspect of like why I think philanthropy is so important and valuable within our society is that like a lot of times organizers do this work for free they do community gardens because they really feel passionate behind it um, but we know that we know that today like you need resources to survive and so I'm trying to make sure that that a lot of folks within our within our grantee partners can pay their workers can pay their mm. can pay their um, organizers to do this work to 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 um, that's oftentimes underlooked and undervalued, but it's so important to like, again, how we get to this place where we, our futures are reflective of all of us. So um, we, 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 we definitely through our youth engagement work, through our internships and things like that, we're trying to build up a tradition where this work is sustainable and this work is, yeah, sustainable in the, in the, in the resource way, as well as again, the, the societal uh, sustainability. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that, because I know with a lot of organizing work, especially, well, um, all the unpaid organizing work is very easy for people to burn out, you know, yeah, if there's not is, that mm -hmm. sustainable sort of option there and the different methods of support. Um, right. it's, it's very easy to burn out. And yeah. uh, a lot of these organizers are doing extremely important work. And it's just so sad that so many people are just turned off of organizing because of the fallout. So it's really great that the Decolonizing Wealth Project is sort of paying attention to the way that that is an issue within the community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, and it's, we've experienced it. We like, I, I think a lot of us in our organization come from organizing traditions and have experienced burnout. And so we, we, we recognize the importance and value of providing that like, emotional assistance and, and, and mm. healing support and making sure that we are at our best when we're serving communities such that again like we can we can start to push back against that tradition of burnout that tradition of of, of running into walls with this work yeah that's that's a huge part of what we do right right when you're passionate about something it's easy for the flame to burn very hot but yeah. uh maybe not burn for very long and exactly so yeah. finding very ways true. to keep it burning is is very important so yeah yeah and I was going to ask you, John, um, I know it might be difficult because the Decolonizing Wealth Project has so many different things that it's doing right now, but mm -hmm. 
what is your favorite project that yeah. you've been involved in with the decolonizing wealth project so far okay what? definitely um definitely a tough question I, I'm, I'm a libra and so it's hard for me to pick favorites all the time <laughs> Um, I always try to play that that sort of balance. It all it all matters. It's all important, and it, and it is it is true. I think it's all it's all matters, and it's all important. But I do have a favorite um, in mm -hmm. this regard because mm -hmm. um, the, the a big the our food and land justice fund in particular connects very much so to my heritage mm -hmm. and in my own family's story of reconnecting with the land and reconnecting with. Um, uh, re regenerative land-based traditions and so mm, um yeah. i can talk more about this fund it's a partnership with uh shirley sharad at new communities and conda mason at jubilee justice um and our fund liberated capital and it's supporting bipoc farmers um, and food justice advocates across right now across the united states um and so i said it inter intertwines deeply with my family's story of returning to land as uh, slave descended folks and immigrant African um, folks. Um, we, we, you know, my, my dad comes from a farming family in 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 his in his tribal community um, in, back in Nigeria. And again, my my just two generations ago, my my, my mother's family was farming on over 100 acres in Arkansas before again mm. through through different processes of land loss and um, heirs property. They lost relationship to that, and we're now coming back to it. Um, and, th and this story, this story uh, connects more generally to this space where uh, um, there's there, there's this narrative of powerful farmers and community builders fighting um, against land loss, black land loss, to win food and agricultural justice for BIPOC farmers, right alongside indigenous stewards um, from this land, working to restore the relationship to their own foodways and and, and to the to the land that they've. It's been stewarding for generations. Um, it's central to our vision for racial and economic justice as an organization. Um, and this, the stories and narratives within this work are just amazing and outstanding. Like I, I, every, every time I hear from another grantee partner around the ways that they're connecting folks to farmers markets and, and they're teaching young kids how to stick their hands in the soil and get their hands dirty um, and learn about. And like, as, as soon as you see a seed sprout up for the first time and you see a little like first green leaf pop up, you, I think your life is totally transformed. And so people are really connecting communities that have lost this relationship through um, like what we what we often refer to in the field as food apartheid, which is just like a direct systemic systematic um, uh, like stripping away of folks from relationship to land and relationship to food. Um, they're they're just they're doing. There's so many people doing so much good work to transform that relationship, um, and it's it's definitely been the most awe inspiring. De again, definitely the most connect. I feel the most connected to, and work that I'm excited to see grow. grow. I'm excited to see these networks build and, and like far, see more farmers sharing their expertise with with each other and sharing the, their best technology technological practices with each other starting to see more of these farms become more sustainable become um, use like access get access to more technology we're, we're, we're helping people like get tractors for the first time so they don't have to rent equipment so they can really um re really like build up a of a, a, a food tradition that's again sustainable for their communities um it's just like the little the little things that add up within this field that i think are really really cool um so definitely my favorite um project so cool. yeah definitely my favorite project wow wow thank you so much for sharing that you're absolutely you seem so very passionate about this and um it just sounds so cool and so amazing to be part of absolutely. um and uh, I guess now it is time for me to ask you the most important question. 
<laughs> um, but uh, with all of that in mind, what does your personal solar punk future look like? Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, that's my favorite question. <laughs> Thank you for, for asking. Um, yeah, and I think in my solar punk future, we've done away with a lot of the sort of exploitative um, racial capitalist logics that kind of govern our decision makings today. And instead we govern our decision making on more holistic, equitable um, and innovative values. I think about um, ideas around reciprocity, aligning aligning the world with our, our, our um, built world with our nat natural cycles and natural systems that we are all, all a part of, whether we know it or not. Um, I think about resiliency so like, like doing away with wasteful overconsumption, um, like we just, we just have, we have, like these are things we have to do, I think in the, in the next yeah. few years. And so um, as, as we start to see more, um, see more climate catastrophe, like what, while, we're, like while we're doing this work, we need to, we need to be able to make sure that our communities can sustain mm -hmm. um, inclement weather and sustain, um, sustain themselves for, for seasons of drought. Uh, like, I, I think we have a lot of technology available to make sure that this happens if only our incentives can change. And so um, my goal coming from an inner city, coming from a community that um, doesn't have access to clean water that whose air is polluted by factories, I, I really want to see in my future cityscapes that are designed with these values in mind that I mentioned, where we have abundant green space and an understanding of local native plants. I think everybody mm -hmm. should be taught how to identify, understand, mm -hmm. and care for their immediate natural environment if they so choose. Um, but just like that, that that connection to like the the plant people, the animal people around us, and 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 a deeper understanding of that is definitely like one of my goals and the things I hope to educate around in my community. Um, I think about clean energy transport like walkable cities I just like the like I want to see a total transformation of our cityscapes I think like that that where where so many so much of our world is is um amalgamated in 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 urban centers I think there's so much that we can do just there with the technology we have to transform um towards a more sustainable um version of, of our society and I, I also see cultural vibrancy um as an mm. African-American I want to see and assuredness amongst my people that of who we are, who we come from, how we live and embody, um, embody light, like literally. Mm -hmm. um, so that cultural groundness is some is definitely a part of my soul of my solar punk future. Like the again, the idea that that our cultures are here and they matter and they're they're important and we can express them in in all these expansive ways. And so as an Afrofuturist, I love to see and, and a nerd, I love to see more and more black sci-fi and things like that mm -hmm. as a way to sort of get us there. Um, but yeah, that's 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 definitely where I'd go about like talking about my solar punk future. Awesome. That wow, I want to live there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to live there. I do too. I do too. <laughs> In the meantime, we'll just keep writing about it and 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 really, really feel it and feel it, feel yeah. it tangibly through our yeah. stories. Yeah. In the meantime, keep doing the good work with uh, the Decolonizing Wealth Project because it sounds like uh, we're working towards that future, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. We are, and I shall, I shall. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Um, and I was wondering, you mentioned social media earlier. Um, mm -hmm. If we could take a moment what, so you can tell our audience where to find out more about the Decolonizing Wealth Project. Um, Absolutely. If they want to go. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to check us out, um, definitely, definitely 
check us out on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook um, at Decolonizing Wealth or at Decolonize Wealth. We're also starting up a TikTok tradition. I think media, like Ooh. video storytelling is always something that takes a lot of energy in production, but um, yeah. is, is can be a really effective method of outreach. Um, so you can follow us there also at Decolonize Wealth. Um, we, we, you can check us out on our website at decolonizingwealth.com. Uh, um, we have, again, we have a donor community that you can connect to, to, to engage further and, and check out our healing summits and, and, and other, other, other public facing work that we, um, take part in and partner with. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd say those, I'd say those are, those are the best ways to connect with us and our work. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and how about yourself? I mean, if you feel comfortable, um, do you have any socials that you would like uh, to let our listeners know about where they can follow you, see what you're up to? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've, I've um, personal Instagram and Twitter, I'd say is the best way to connect with me. I do poetry and I'm, I'm hoping to like continue to start writing and sharing solo punk narratives and things like that too. So nice, um, nice. both of those are at soul liberationary. That's like S O U L soul I B E R T liberation, excuse me, L I V R A T I O N A R Y. So soul liberationary on Instagram or Twitter. We'll link it all down yeah, in the yeah, description. Yeah, yeah, so sorry. don't worry about it. <laughs> Sp spelling on the spot. I'll tell you what. That is that is sorry, sorry to make you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely check me out there. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much. This has been such an amazing and generative conversation. And I feel like I personally have learned so much. And yeah. I am so excited to see what Decolonizing Wealth Project does in the future and how it expands. I really appreciate the opportunity to share our work, Aria, and share, share a little bit about myself. Um, thank you so much. You've been, a, you've been a great interviewer. I really appreciated this conversation. Um, hope we get to connect soon more. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And that was episode number two. Thank you for listening to Solar Punk Presence, a series embedded within the Solar Punk Futures podcast, written, hosted, and produced by Christina Della Rocha and Ariel Kroon. This podcast is a part of Solarpunk Magazine, which is published by Android Press, which is located on Kalapuya Uihi, the traditional indigenous homeland of the Kalapuya people. Today, descendants are citizens of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde Community of Oregon and the Confederated Tribes of the Silets Indians of Oregon. The opening and closing music for Solarpunk Presence is Water Cooler Gang by Monkey Warhol and is available for use under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. So, thank you again for listening, and until the next episode, stay solar punk. <laughs>